Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. Follow me. Follow me. On Twitter at Dan Day Radio. There's always some good interactive stuff on there. Like to toss it up, chop it up with you, as we usually say. I'm going to be hearing from the Joe Rose Show, Dan Levitard, of course, Hawkman and Crowder, who you just heard from. But I got some sweet content from them that I am going to share with you in just a few. But first, let's dive into these headlines. The 49ers are no longer undefeated, losing last night 27-24 to Seattle in overtime. Miami plays Buffalo Sunday at 1. Tight ends, Brevin Jordan and Evidence Joku, did not practice for the Canes today. Jordan missed due to injury while Joku is expected to transfer schools. In college football action tonight at 6, pretty much right now, it's Eastern Michigan taking on Akron. Then at 6.30, Western Michigan will play Ohio. The Heat play the Pistons tonight at 7.30 here in Miami. Justice Winslow is out due to injury, while Deion Waiters will not play due to gummies. The Canes basketball team are back in action tonight against UCF from Orlando at 9 o'clock. Panthers take on, oh yes, the Boston Bruins, one of the best in the NHL tonight. Puck drops at 7. Listen to it here on 560 The Joe. Enter Miami. They have traded for FC Cincinnati midfielder Victor Uoa. Miami's inaugural MLS season begins in March. And now... Let's take a step into the day spa. Oh, yeah. Got some goodies for you. A California man was recently issued a citation and handcuffed for eating a breakfast sandwich while waiting for a mass transit train, which is a violation of state law. I guess he was cited for being a fatty. A wild baboon has been spotted roaming the streets of Johannesburg, South Africa, while a rogue emu is running around a small British town. The animals are taking over, man! Taking over! A South African distiller is now making an elephant dung-infused gin. The makers of the spirit say it's not crap. I say it's crap, literally. Now on to weather brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast is partly cloudy with temperatures in the high 70s. Win a brand new $45,000 Mercedes-Benz at Hylia Park Casino. Get free entries every Saturday and earn more entries playing slots every day now through November 30th. Grand prize giveaway Saturday, November 30th. Cup of Joe every morning will get you right. I'm talking about the Joe Rose Show, 6 to 10 weekdays. Earlier today, football mania continues. They talked with Michael Lombardi, and they were talking about Flores coaching the guys up, keeping the Fitz magic around, Burrow the best, 2-0, no wow. Don't have to pick first to get a great QB, and Fitzpatrick is balling. Minka Fitzpatrick, that is. 
Good morning, Michael. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you guys doing down there, man? You're on the street. You better slow that machine <laughs> down down there. Right, huh? right. Hey. We're planning the parade, hey. Michael. We're, planning we're, the parade. we're messing so up the big for, plan. Yeah, so much for putting the poor players in harm's way. Right. It's unfair. I'm, it's I'm, so unfair. Right. This is disgraceful to the NFL. I mean, can you imagine that? And, and there's been a retraction by anybody on that set last Monday no. night? No, and it's funny you said that because I watched Steve Young after he carried on and carried on, and I was waiting for him to say something and have at least one of those 200 guys that work for him to go out and get all the information, one of them to say, hey, the Dolphins actually the last five games have had a chance to win every one of them. Don't mess up with the narrative. I mean, that's why that's why it's the leader in worldwide sports because it's going to create the narrative. That's why we've been stuck with so much Tim Tebow stuff forever because they just got to drive the narrative. That's what they're going to do. By the way, Brian Flores with all yeah. these guys uh, – He's a really, really good coach. With they, he's coaching these guys up. This waiver group or practice squad group or whatever he adds. Nick Needham. I mean, <laughs> this guy was covering people like he was Stephon Gilmore. I, I said this all about Brian. Brian has got a lot of the great qualities of Belichick in him. But Brian's his own man. And Brian is a man's man. You meet Brian, you like Brian immediately because he's honest. He's got principles. Mom, who he, you know, he lost this year. You know, his mom and dad, deeply, you know, family-oriented guy. I mean, this is guy that has the makings of a great coach, and he's going to learn from the mistakes in the season, and he's going to become better, just like most of the players he's coaching. When you're in New England, you never get caught up with, well, we lost the guy, we just go to the next guy. No player in New England is ever replaceable or co is irreplaceable. And when you create that mentality within your organization, then you just, the next guy up has to play, and typically they can. Michael, Ryan Fitzpatrick has played a very big role in uh, obviously the two wins this year, but really just in that locker room. Uh, he's a guy that the players talk about, they hang out with him before and after the game. Is this the kind of guy that you would keep around if they do go in the quarterback uh, realm of the draft this year, next year? It's a guy you want around in that locker room, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of those guys. Yeah, you know, I mean, I watch his body language, and I mean, for a guy who's been at every NFL team in the league, you know, his body language is really good. I mean, I thought the fact that they took him off the field for the concussion or whatever that was, you know, uh, and how angry he got about it. I mean, you could see that his level of competi his competitiveness is high. I thought, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I think you want somebody who's going to come in there. Look, the, the role of a backup quarterback is he's got to be able to go play the game without any reps during the week because he's never going to get any reps during the week. So he's got to be smart enough to know the game plan. He's got to be adaptable enough to go at a moment's notice. And he's got to be courageous to be able to go fill the role without any problems. And I think Fitzpatrick can do that. And he gets hot. Look, you know, sometimes he gets, you know, he, he becomes, turns the ball over, but sometimes they're actually like the one in, in Pittsburgh with, hit Nick O'Leary. I mean, some of them are not his fault. He just takes the the call for it. But yeah, I, I think he's done a good job. And I think the team kind of likes him. I think the team's rallied around him. All right. So uh, it looked like everybody got great ratings on Saturday. Tua? Or forget the teams, just the two quarterbacks. What'd you think? Oh, I think Burrow is the best player. I thought Burrow was the best player on the field. I think Burrow is the best player on the field for three reasons. He can win with his mind. He's really smart. He can win with his feet. He's more athletic than people think he is. And he can win with his with his arm. I mean, he can win with all three phases that a quarterback has to win. Now, I think Tua, it wasn't really 100%. Whenever quarterbacks are, tend to be high with the football, their lower body isn't feeling right. You know, and so I think that that was, the second half was remarkable. But I like Tua. 
I'm not down on Tua. I just don't know if Tua is a guy that I say, wow, he's the franchise. It's like when the 76ers drafted Markel Fultz, the first pick overall. I wasn't like, wow, this guy plays 10 feet above the rim. Like, when you pick somebody to first pick overall in the draft, you want to be wowed, right? I want to be wowed by skill. I want to be wowed by performance. I think Burrow wowed me. Chase Young would probably wow a lot of people, too, with that number one There's pick. no doubt. Right, There's right. no doubt. There's no doubt. Like, I can't, I can't pass up Chase. I mean, and look, understanding that would I want Tua on my team? Yeah, but there's also value in the draft. It isn't about just filling out the depth chart. you got to have the great value, and I think that there's other ways to solve the quarterback issue. I mean, last night we saw Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo play. It wasn't a pretty game. It wasn't pretty by any means. Garoppolo's picked in the second. Russell's picked in the third. Both quarterbacks can win titles. I agree with that. Hey, by the way, we've been talking about this this grand game plan that we had, and you know with all the picks we have in this upcoming draft, and yet Ryan Flores is out there trying to win every frigging game he can. You think everybody's on the same page in the whole organization knowing this could happen, or has this been a surprise to some? I'm just with your gut feeling about it. Yeah, I mean, look, you can't – and I've said this from the beginning when I've done your show. You cannot – tank and build a winning culture. It just doesn't go hand in hand. It's one of the problems with the 76ers. Brett Brown would tell you that his biggest challenge is trying to develop mental toughness because they've been losing for so long that it's not been within their program. So they've had to sign Al Horford. They've had to sign they trade for Tobias Harris and these guys to try to create a mental toughness within their own building. You've got to have that. And if you're Chris Greer, you're happy you're winning because you're laying a foundation that's going to pay off down the road. The reality of it is Every day you walk into your draft room and you look at your board, you say, you know, fellas, Lamar Jackson was the fifth quarterback pick that year. I think if they redid it again, he would be the first. So it doesn't matter where we pick. We just got to get the right player. You know, Aaron Donald gets picked later in the draft. There's reasons why we got to make sure we don't make those mistakes. I, I, I find it refreshing. I think this whole narrative that you have to have the first pick in the draft is completely wrong. It's by people that have no clue what they're talking about. It's about evaluations that come to the evaluator. And if you're a good evaluator, you'll pick good players no matter where you are. Michael, uh, you brought up Lamar Jackson. I know Russell Wilson right now, probably the MVP in the in the NFL uh, just by numbers, and obviously the team's 8-2. and two. Lamar Jackson's got to be uh, really really close to that number two spot, right? You know, and, and I you know we haven't seen, you know, Deshaun Watson didn't play last week, right, and he might be right. in there too. And look, Deshaun Watson, you know, MVP Mitch went in front of Deshaun, so there's a, there's a lot of opportunities to get the guy because, remember this, Bill Walsh said this back in 1984, very few people can coach the quarterback, but even fewer can evaluate him. So it's a small group of people that can truly understand how to evaluate the quarterback. I watched Lamar Jackson in college. My son coached at Louisville. Lamar Jackson, what he did against the Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals. I've seen them do against Virginia. I've seen them do against Boston College. I've seen that game before. That was nothing new to me. Like that wasn't new. But you have to get it out of your mindset that you're, you want this quarterback to be what you want him to be. Not everybody can be Danny Marino. Not everyone has that great skill, right? So you got to modify your team around the quarterback. And I think that's you got to take your hat off to Baltimore. That's what they've done. And he's carrying this team. Make no mistakes about. It. Just like Russell Wilson's carrying his. I actually think Lamar's ahead of Russell right now, based on what Russell did last night. I think Lamar's ahead of him. That's that spin move that you're talking about without saying, and you're right. I felt like I saw that at one of those ACC games when he was playing and, and able to do, but how many teams would change their offense from Flacco 
to what they're doing with this guy. Not a lot of guys go, hey, we got the right guy. We're going to have to change our offense a little bit. Yeah, you know, I mean, but that's coaching, right? I mean, yes. that's the essence of what coaching's all about. It isn't like we got to win my way. We got to win. You know, we have to change what we do. Look, next year, whomever the, the, the Dolphins draft to play quarterback, they're going to have to change their offense. You know, no one can do what Tom Brady does up in New England, right? No one can do all the mic points. No one can change the protection. No one can do everything that Tom Brady does at the line of scrimmage. It's almost impossible. The burden of responsibility that's put on Tom Brady to come out of that huddle and coordinate that offense at the line of scrimmage within 25 seconds. So you can't do that. You can't really think you're going to do that. So you're going to have to adjust your game plan accordingly and see how it goes. But, you know, you've got to be adaptable as a coach. I mean, that's the essence of coaching. You've got to be really adaptable. It's, it's, the, it's the most important thing a coach has is adaptability. You know, the one that still hits me, Mike, I can be honest with you. I've known you forever. The punches me in the gut a little bit is watching Minka Fitzpatrick play safety oh. in Pittsburgh you, right now. You know, I mean, that, that's really Ouch. been remarkable. You know, I mean, and you've got to give him credit for the kid has been the player that everybody thought he was at Alabama and it's funny you know he's not playing he's not playing the star he's not playing corner anymore he's now playing ball hawk right he's like in a different role and I think sometimes players play differently in the role but he almost has a magnet for the ball for some reason and I think that I thought for sure when they traded him away they would get a top 10 pick now the Steelers are the sixth team in the playoff race right. I, I don't yeah. even know how it's do I don't even know how they do it good for Mike Tomlin right. what, a, what a hell of a job after what that poor guy went through for a couple years with uh with those other guys. He's doing it without Big Ben, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. He's doing it without all three you know, guys and, now. And Stephon Truitt's one of his best defensive linemen, and he kicked the Rams' butt. I mean, he sent the Rams home with a tail between the legs. They didn't get an offensive touchdown. They only converted one-third down in the game, right? They had over nine possessions where they couldn't even get a first down. I mean, it was bad. The Rams, Jared Goff was bad in that game, and he and their Todd Gurley is bad as running the football right now. The Rams are nothing like we thought they were, and they got their butt when they got to go play out in the road on the road in the cold, you can always bet against them. Hey, by the way, did this all start with Belichick's game plan going back to the Super Bowl? Because it looks like all of a sudden the Rams, as you just said, they look like a different team. And I and I always look back to see if somehow friggin' Belichick had a little bit to do with it. Do you do you agree with that or not necessarily? I, I do, Joe. I think here's the reality: it's always been there. Just some teams don't listen to it. What he did was in the Super Bowl, he powered. Uh, Andre Whitworth back. He powered Halberstein back, the two tackles. And he got into the paint on Goff. And the and I kept saying this. I said it on Rich Eisen's show, and people were ripping me left and right. Goff is a seven-on-seven seven quarterback. He's got to stand back there, check the runners at first and third, make sure everybody's good, <laughs> and then throw the ball, right? He can't play fast. He can't. He just can't. He's a seven-on-seven quarterback. He wants you to count the five Mississippi because when he has to play fast, all of a sudden it all breaks down. But nobody was rushing him correctly. Nobody was putting, getting into the paint and powering their offensive lineback. What McVay was doing was this is the secret to all victory. He was hiding his offensive line. He was hiding it with his play-action passes, and everybody fell for it. Now he can't hide the line. Now everybody powers Whitworth back. Everybody pushes their center back into the pocket, and everybody challenges Goff to throw the ball quicker. And you know what? He can't hide it anymore. And the reality of it is, is how they paid him $180 million oh. is beyond me. Yeah. They knew it. I'm sitting here in New Jersey. I know it. They're working with him every day. How did they not know it? Michael, <laughs> thank you as always for your Michael, time. outstanding. Thanks, you thank you. Bye-bye. Football getting very exciting here in South Florida. Both the Canes and Dolphins on winning streaks. Dare we dream for even more wins? Of course, you can listen to all the Canes and Dolphins games right here 
on 560 The Joe. Up next, speaking of South Florida, Mr. South Florida, Mr. Miami, Dan Levitard and his team having a whole lot of fun. Trust me, you are going to hear some fun stuff next. Keep it locked right here on the Best of the Joe Show. This is the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Hopefully your evening is going well. I am Dan Day. In just a few minutes, we're going to be kicking it over to Doug Plagans, my man Alex Dono, and the team for the Florida Panthers game versus the Boston Bruins up in the Northeast. But right now, let's get ice cold with Dan Lebitard. Fun stuff right here. Kane or false? They also talked to Zoo Miami's Ron McGill. And everyone's favorite, the useless sound montage. All right, here we go. Question number one. After winning the World Series, Anthony Rendon signed a 10-year, $285 million extension with the Nationals. I'll go true there. I'll go Kane there. Whoa, true. Whoa! That is false, man. That did not happen. Uh, what happened with Rendon? Is he uh, is he going to resign? Or? I mean, he tore it up. Yeah, he, he, made a right, he made a good business decision not accepting it. He turned down like 220, was it? Early in the playoffs. Yeah, so he's then, still a free agent now? Yeah, he's going to yeah. be a free agent? And said that would be a mistake, and then Rendon. Don't have like that's an not, amazing. That's not what happened. <laughs> you <laughs> told them, Cob. <laughs> what happened then, <laughs> Billy? How are you being misrepresented? <laughs> what I said was it doesn't matter. What okay. I said was, he, look, if you're guaranteed thirty million dollars a year, you take it. If you're Anthony Rendon, that's what I said. Especially the way the baseball offseason's been going lately. Unless you can get forty million because of an amazing postseason. <laughs> All right, moving on. Question number two. Mike Leach says an interstellar startup company has reached out to him about traveling to space when their space shuttle is ready in 2029. No, that's not fair. Because <laughs> anything you say about Mike Leach can be Kane. going to go Kane. Oh! That is not true either, Dan. That's Shocking. a ridiculous story. <laughs> it's actually happening in 2030. Question number three. Over the last six weeks, Kirk Cousins has been the best statistical quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, he's been pretty good. You guys told me that while I was gone, he became good again. Yeah. But the best statistical quarterback, I'm going to go fall. No! It's actually Kane. Okay. Wait, but you're wrong. That's right. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And that concludes Kane or Falls. Oh, we had so many. Uh, I'm done with Kane or Falls. Let's start with Parker. Parker, you're on with Ron McGill of Zoo Miami. Go ahead. Talk to a whale and ask that a whale one question. What would you ask him? What is at the bottom of the ocean? What is it that you see at the bottom of the ocean? Because there, there are things that they can see. There are depths that they can go to. There's some whales, sperm whales can go more than a mile deep. What is it that they see? What, what is life like down there? Because that's another world. We know less about the ocean than we know about the moon. Can you explain to me a video I saw the other day? It appeared that some fishermen were playing fetch with a beluga whale. They were just. That is true. Yes, they were throwing a rugby ball with a, 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 a beluga whale. You know, again, Dan, it's just a reflection of the intelligence of an animal that it can relate to something and wants to interact that it has that kind of intelligence that it wants to interact that a guy in the wild can take a rugby ball throw it this beluga whale swims gets it and brings it back like it's a freaking labrador retriever it's fantastic i just didn't know that any i i knew dolphins were smart i just didn't know that fish could behave like dogs that's that not way. a fish Fish family, fish. ocean stuff. My, no, I'm sorry for my a marine mammal. Whoa. Fish I, is totally I, wrong. I'm sorry. It's okay, so so right. then I'm right that fish can't behave that way. It has to be a marine mammal. That's not to say that fish cannot believe, but behave that way, but they don't have the intelligence that marine mammals have. Brian, you're on with Ron McGill. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, Ron. Um, a buddy of mine lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is having a horrible time with woodpeckers pecking on his wood siding. I told him if he urinates down there by where they peck, that'll keep him away, but it's not working. 
Do you have any suggestions? <laughs> I think it's just great that you actually suckered him into urinating on his paneling. Um, <laughs> anyway. It's Blood. Yeah, no, I don't know what to tell you. That's an ongoing issue with people, especially who have siding uh, up in the Northeast, especially to have siding on their homes. These woodpeckers might hear something under the siding. You know, what happens is it may be an alarm. He may need to look for things like termites because the woodpecker's hearing something under the siding that's trying to get through the siding to get. So this may be a wake-up call. We may look at the, at the woodpecker as a savior here to get those termites taken care of before it eats his house. Curtis, you're on with Ron McGill of Zoo Miami. Go ahead, Curtis. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. Ron, uh, new to deer hunting here in Ohio, and I want to know if you've got any tips to help me to be a little more stealthy to uh, bag that big buck here in Ohio. Well, the best thing I can tell you is, you know, you've got to be quiet. you got to think like a buck. Remember, the bucks are looking for does. The biggest buck is going to be probably the older animal, and that's why I tend to always look at hunters, uh, the guy looking for the biggest buck is looking for the, the, the biggest, oldest animal, usually sometimes beyond breeding age. You know, you got to be quiet. you got to be quiet, and I hope that when you're hunting this deer that you're, the, you're utilizing it, you're eating it, you're just not hanging its head up on the wall. Tubby, you're on with Ron McGill Tubby. of Zoo Miami. Go ahead, Tubby. You want a buck right on the road at night, you definitely get one then. But why in the world <laughs> in the rain does it take my dogs five times as long to use the bathroom, go pee pee doo doo, than when it's nice out? Because it's it's you're uncomfortable, man. You're uncomfortable, and that and that's the thing that my dog was the same way. He's like, oh, I don't want to do. It. But you're making him walk in the rain. He's like, oh, I'm so miserable. You know, the misery overshadows that urge to do what he's got to do. Understand that dogs, generally speaking, go to the bathroom to kind of mark territory. There, it's not necessarily relieving themselves as it is kind of marking territory. But when it's raining, it's washing all that stuff away, so it's futile for them. They're kind of waiting for the rain to stop because they want their scent to linger, not be washed away. And when it doesn't stop and they can't hold it anymore, that's when they finally go. Jerry, you're on with Ron McGill of Zoo Miami. Hey, Ron. How you doing? Uh, what's your take on, like, someone seeing a baby uh, a baby animal and also they want to take it to the vet or they want to take it in the wild? Like, do you, should you let nature run its course, or what do you think? You know, generally speaking, yes. I want to let nature take its course. And this is especially true with birds because it's a big mistake that people think that, oh my gosh, I've got to save this bird. I'm going to take it to the vet. No. Generally speaking, birds, if you see one that's obviously very, very young, no feathers or anything on it, look for the nest. You can pick that baby bird up and put it back in the nest. It is a total myth. Parents are going to ignore it if they smell a human touch on the bird. That's a total myth. Having said that, if it's a bird, it's got some feathers on it, but it isn't really flying very well. It's fledged the nest. Leave it alone. Its parents are still looking after it. It's still feeding it. Let it go its own way. For baby animals, the best thing I can tell you is to call any kind of rescue or rehabilitation uh, facility in your neighborhood. They're all over the United States. Have an expert do it. Don't try to take an animal home and start feeding it, you know, bread and milk with an eyedropper. It's probably the worst thing you could do. Things like bread and milk for something like a bird is almost lethal for something like that. Ron, over the weekend, I saw an exhibit kind of showing the similarities between humans and orangutans. And I noticed that an orangutan skull is similar to a human skull, but it has like what looks like a bone, like from the eyebrows to like the back of the head where it looks like the skulls divided in two chambers. What is that? Yeah, that's called a sagittal crest. And what it does is that crest is what muscles attach to that go to the jaws, which is why they have such powerful jaws to bite. Generally speaking, if you look at a lion's skull, that crest is huge, okay, because it's much more muscles to attach to the side of that wall of that crest to go down to the jaws. So the orangutans have a higher sagittal crest, like the big male gorillas. Their, their sagittal crest is much higher than females because they are big biters. They have to defend, uh, defend the troops. So that's what that is. It's called a sagittal crest. It's what the muscles attach 
attached to to the jaws to give the animal better biting strength. You want to tell that story again about you digging up uh, a skull? Uh, it's one of the greatest stories ever told on this show. Yeah, for you to listen to, but it wasn't really great for me to relive it. But I'll tell you, I, I, people who know me know that I collect bones that I use when I teach at schools, when I do you know interactive programs with kids. So this orangutan had died. Uh, the person who had it told me it died. I was in California at the time. I told them to bury the orangutan. I'll come back when I get back. I figured it's, it's still a little cooler out. It's not going to decompose too much. I'll dig it up and get the skull. So I get back from California. Like two weeks later, he tells me where he buried it. I go back and I start digging. So I'm digging with the, with the shovel, dig, 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 and then bang, I hit the thing. Oh, there it is. Okay. So I start with my hand, start peeling the, the, the dirt away, but I'm leaning over into this hole now. You know, I'm on my knees, leaning over into a hole because he buried it kind of deep and I get, there's the head. Okay. And it's kind of, it started to decompose because you see the kind of like the, the lips have puffed up, the tongue's kind of sticking out, the eyes are kind of swollen. I'm like, okay. So I take the scalpel and I start to cut around the neck to take the skull off. I know this sounds gross to people, but I'm just doing this for education, for science. So as I'm pulling it and then I start cutting and then I'm starting to twist the neck to disengage the vertebra from, from the skull. And then all of a sudden, this sound comes out of it. It goes, and I just jumped back. I started crying. I was like, I thought it was a ghost. It was horrible. What had happened? Now, there's a, see, this is a good explanation, but I didn't realize it at the time. What had happened was all the gases from the decomposition had built up inside the abdomen of the animal. So when I twisted the skull and opened the trachea and opened its mouth, all those gases came out. It went through the vocal cords, causing that sound. And I thought it was a freaking monster in the thing. I still get traumatized having to talk about it. It was horrible. Cane or false, true or false, did it open its eyes? I don't even know. All I heard was sound. It was just, I, I plunged back and just started crying. It was horrible, Dan. True. This was really horrible. True or false, cane or false, did you poop yourself? Did you actually poop yourself? I don't know. I don't remember. Dan, it was just a bad experience. I, I know I, sc- I screamed. I, right. I actually physically screamed. You would know, though, scream. if you pooped yourself. Yes, well, you would know, no, I, mean, I don't think I pooped myself. I probably passed some gas, though. Uh, do you have a video for us this I week? I do have a video. All right, here he's going to do the play-by-play Ready? for us here. Play-by-play. Let's get play. Oh, we've got mongoose here. Little mongoose. This has got to be in Africa. Yeah, these are African mongoose. There's three of them. They're, li- they're probably going to go after the snake. Oh, they're playing with each other now. Uh, where's the snake? Here comes the snake and mongoose. I know this is set up here. Let's get Oh, there's a hornbill. It's oh. like Zazu. The horn. Oh, one more. One more. Hey, hornbill. He's gonna eat the hornbill. Wait, the hornbill's like. Oh, he's dead. What? He what? just rolls over and plays dead. Oh, he's alive again. The hornbill's gonna give him another look. He's gonna play. Oh, he plays dead again. <laughs> the mongoose thinks he's a possum, and the hornbill goes away, and the mongoose goes, "Good, fool him." Oh, wait, he's back. Oh God, I'm gonna play dead. I don't want. To. He thinks that. He, I think he thinks the hornbill's gonna eat him, and he plays dead. I've never seen that behavior. This is great stuff, man. Lorenzo is a god. Oh, he does it again. <laughs> he goes stiff on his back, and the hornbill. That's great, man. Listen, I hope you guys have a great week. All right, let's play the useless sound montage. Man, that was fun. Um, That was mean, Uh, but it was required. It's a great win for the Minnesota Vikings and the fans. We had great fans out there tonight. I don't think we're looking at standings or how many do we need to win. We can't. We need to win one at a time. That was a really ugly win. That was an ugly win, but we found a way to do it. NFL's hard. I think that we see in these games (laughs) that we're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot, not giving ourselves the best opportunities. There's time left just because there's more games, but we need to worry about right now. I'm just really elated that we finished. Winning the national championship is not a goal for us. It's a byproduct. It wasn't a lot of conversation about winning it for B.A. It was winning it for us. Not big picture people. Not cumulative people. 
Uh, we played today. We'll evaluate it in the morning. My concern is putting a team on the field that's going to win a football game. That's my concern. Yeah, tunnel vision, earmuffs, and just come to work every day and try to get better and get back to what we know we're capable of doing. I feel like we do have a good pulse of the team. It's fair to speculate when you're 0-9 that they would be heading that direction, and I see no signs of that. Tough, gritty performance. <laughs> no, not perfect, obviously, but there's never been a perfect game played. So We work on a short week. we got to go to Cleveland for Thursday night, so uh, no rest for the weary. Before we even start this whole thing, my penalties are a f-ing problem. When you go through tough things, I think you just got to remember why you play this game. You just you love to play this game, and you love the guys you play with, so that, that'll get you through anything. We can't do anything about the past. We can't do anything about the future. The only thing we can do is right now. We had some self-inflicted wounds, some penalties. Winning's winning, and that's a win. You know, I was confident tonight, but each week is a new, and so we got to get in the lab and see what Cleveland does and how we match up against it and what the issues are trying to get some of these TVs in the building turned off because you got too many people talking on TV about us and uh, what they think about us, what we should do, what we are and what we're not, but they don't really know who we are or what we're capable of as people or what we're going through or what we're thinking. It's just the outside viewers uh, looking in. Winning's always a good tonic, you know, regardless of, of how the season's going. This unbelievable team effort, not ideal, not perfect. Uh, we'll evaluate tomorrow, but today we play, and I thought they played and played to win without fear. The smells, the atmosphere, the noises, you know, the things you can hear, those are memories you keep forever. The knee's feeling fine. Uh, I was able to play and do what I, what I could do, and, and didn't, I don't have any pain there. He is just very professional. It's not anything mystical. He doesn't have a rabbit's foot in his pocket. Every week we want to win for B.A., you know, no matter the opponent. We want to win for him. We want to win for ourselves to make ourselves feel good. You know, everybody wants like to make this feel good and uh, and we feel good but we know we still got a long way to go Jameis winston says nothing well there was one clip i put in there just because he said the word elated i do like ba though of course you do <laughs> you're always lazy even when it comes to saying the name bruce arian uh when i don't mean that Jameis winston uh doesn't say anything well i mean that he always says nothing and says it well that's what i mean <laughs> Dean Lebetard. You can hear him on 560 The Joe. That's this station. Weekdays from 10 to 1. So be sure to tune into the fun. The useless sound montage. I love it. It's kind of like the story of my life. I'm just one big useless sound montage. But I'm worth listening to next because my man, Alex Dono, going to be stopping by talking about the upcoming Panthers game in just a few minutes and might kind of mix it up a little bit. But next, Miami's own Hawk and Crowder. They're giving us some national treasures on the Best of the Joe Show. It's the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Gnarls Barkley, crazy. Why am I playing this? Because we're about to get crazy in here. I'm Dan Day, and I'm with my man, Alex Dono. He and I go way back. We always have a lot of fun. We also give you some good sports information, and then there's a downward turn. So let's get the pleasantries out of the way, should we say. Tonight's game, Panthers, Bruins. It's going to be a great one. You're going to be on the pregame, the midgame, the postgame call. Tell us a little bit about what to expect in the next couple of minutes 
from that matchup on the ice. Exciting time for the Panthers. They come off a big shootout victory in New York on Saturday at Madison Square Garden, and they're in Boston tonight, Dan, to take on a Bruins team that has not lost a regulation home game yet this year. So this is going to be a great challenge. This is the type of game where you come away victorious in this one and you really turn some heads around the NHL. And, and you think about the great form that some of the Panthers players are in. Like, we're going to have some spotlights on guys like Barkov and Huberto today before we get the game started. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this matchup. Coming into the season, very high expectations for the Panthers. They got a lot of great free agents, got a lot of nice pieces, a new coach. Have they, in your opinion, lived up to the expectations? Yeah, I mean, if the season were to end today, it doesn't. But if the season were to end today, they'd be in a playoff position. You know, we're a little less than a quarter way through the year. So there's a lot of hockey left to play. But they had a really, on paper, difficult month of October, and they came away from it. I thought very nicely. So I, I think this team is on. They got a lot of home games coming up. So I think this team is on track to do very good things. You and Doug Plagans will have the game for us in about 20 minutes from now, but I don't want to let you go just yet. I want you to hang around. Let's take that a little bit of a downward turn right now. I love it. You know I'm happy, man. My LSU Tigers, and I can say my LSU Tigers, I graduated from LSU just like you graduated from Miami. We mm-hmm. are graduates of the schools. I can say my Tigers beat Alabama. And that was so beautiful. I mean, I, I want now I could only catch really the end of the game un uh, let's say uninterrupted because I was working the Miami game through the halftime show, but my God, sitting back and watching Burrow and the Tigers beat Nick Saban's Bama Crimson Tide. I'm not an LSU fan the way that you are. But I'm a fan of any team that plays Alabama. So I, I was loving it. And you know, everyone loves Joe Burrow, but the true star to emerge from it all, Coach O, who coached love here him. in Miami. Love he coached him. right here in Miami. You got to love what he said pregame. I want you to listen to this and tell me what you think. Change the narrative. Yes, sir. We're going to beat their ass in recruiting. We're going to beat their ass every time they see us. You understand that? Yes, sir. Roll tight. What you. Yeah. Now you know why they went out so fired up and put it on Alabama. That might be the first time I actually understood what Coach O is saying. He need, he needs to use more profanity. That's the only time I understand the man is when he's getting bleeped out and using profanity. That was beautiful. That right there was hot. But right now I want to do something with you called Hot or Not. we got a couple of special celebrity birthdays. And I want you and I to kind of decide whether these people are hot or not. So... Real quick, first things first, happy birthday to the bad girl of ice skating, Tanya Harding. Oh, hot, hot or not? Hot mess. Hot mess. Oh, I was going to say not. Mess. I was going to say not. Then you made mention <laughs> that she was a hot mess, and I love my hot messes, so <laughs> we're going hot well, right maybe, there. Maybe I'm influenced by the fact that uh, Margot Robbie played her in a movie recently. That was nice. Like, that, that, might, that might have made her look hotter than she really yeah. was back <laughs> in the 90s, but, but I mean, she was a mess, and I'd say she's a hot mess. I love a hot mess now. The elegant Grace Kelly was born on this day back in 1929. Oh, beautiful. I'm a fan of classic movies, and like her looks hold up. You know, she, she's a stunning, she was a stunning, stunning woman. And of course, you and I are very secure in our manhood, so we can say hot or not. Happy birthday, 39 years young, Ryan Goslin. Oh, definitely. That's a hottie. <laughs> that is a hottie. Totally. Now, totally. this one's going to be on the fence, so I really want you to think about it because I know where I stand, but a lot of people stand on different hot or nots with her. The lovely, in my opinion, Anne Hathaway. No, I like her. I think um, she's hot. Yeah, I mean, she she uh, she's not much of a mess, so I'm surprised. I'm she's surprised a little too you clean like her, cut. She's very clean. A cut. little too clean cut for me, but I think she's a very beautiful woman. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I I, I would uh, I, I would not say no to very many things that involve Anne Hathaway, including Anne Hathaway movies. I love them. And of course, we can agree on this. On this day in 1934, Charles Manson died. Not hot. I mean, he was born. Not hot. No, not at all. Not, not at all. 
Well, thanks. Stick around. Of course, we're going to have you on for the pregame in just a minute. But right now, we've got Hawkman and Crowder. They're going to be talking about Kevin Harlan, Tannehill 10 for 10, and the QB Shuffle. Kevin Harlan is a national treasure. Kevin Harlan, we've had him on the show a number of times. He is a national treasure. His voice is so soothing. I'm telling you, I am not one to criticize announcers because I think it's really hokey to do so. You know, the announcer always hates your team and the announcer's always doing a bad job. It's it's a really difficult job to do. So I'm not a an announcer criticizer guy, but Monday Night Football, I've said this for several weeks now, I think Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane are just boring. Mm -hmm. Like, And then you hear that Kevin Harlan highlight, (laughs) and I think back to what Monday Night Football, we talked about this last week, the announcers, what it used to be. I mean, that was like the legendary spot for announcers. Joe Tessitore is fine, and Booger McFarlane is fine. You know what I mean? But there's nothing special about it. Kevin Harlan is special. Voice, the way he delivers it. Yes. You know, like, you're not supposed to lean either way, but he's still emotional with it. He's got a vibe. Like, you feel like he's watching the game with you as a fan. Like, I don't know. Something about it cuts through. I think he is uh, very good at what he does. So, this is an amazing stat that I'm going to give you here. And this is apropos of nothing. This is from a writer at the Tennessean who covers the Tennessee Titans. This is apropos of nothing. Did you see this stat? No. The Titans, have you seen this stat, Solana? No, I haven't. The Titans have made 10 trips to the red zone since Ryan Tannehill took over as starting quarterback in week seven. They have scored every time. They have (laughs) scored... All 10 times, Tennessee now leads the NFL with 72% of red zone trips resulting in a TD. That's funny. (laughs) Come on, that's just funny. We were holding back Tannehill. That's just funny. You you like you don't have to go any further with it. There's no in-depth analysis to do. It's not what did Adam Gase do to him? What did Joe Philbin do to him? What did uh who was the offensive coordinator that was supposed to change everything? It's not Sherman. Was it uh Bill no, Laser? No. Yeah, Laser. Laser oh, Vision. Laser. <laughs> yes, sir. It, it, it like there's no analysis necessary. It wasn't that he had the wrong receivers. It, there's there we don't need analysis. Just suck it in. Sometimes you just got to suck that in. Titans have made 10 trips to the red zone since Ryan Tannehill took over as starting quarterback in week seven. They've scored touchdowns all 10 times. That's a stat, by the way. I would imagine if you go back and look at the Packers' last 10 red zone trips. I know if you look at Seattle's, I know Russell Wilson threw a pick at the end of the game in the red zone. Yep. So that is that, that, like, that is a rarity to go 10 for 10 inside the red zone. That is a rarity. I don't know how much Derek Henry has to do with it. I'm no analysis, no context, no analysis. Tannehill, sweet. Read it and weep. <laughs> Tannehill, sweet. And he's like the hero. I bet in Tennessee, oh, we should probably sure. talk to someone in uh, in Tennessee at some point. Solana, I bet he is a conquering hero. Bro, he just outdueled Patrick Mahomes. That's true. He just beat Kansas City Bro, like with Patrick Mahomes. Comeback. Yep. Like yep. Not, not just leaning on anybody. He did that. And they didn't love Marcus Mariota. He had been had a, had a boring career. And Tannehill, I bet, is the bleeping, conquering hero in Tennessee. You know what? We had this conversation. When he takes Marcus Mariota's job yep. and he starts winning games. And it was when. It was never if. No. This was way back 
like when they traded him. Yep. When he takes Marcus Mariota's job. He starts winning. Are you going to feel bad or any any difference in how you felt about him as the Miami Dolphin quarterback? Um, that's Well, okay, that's the question. That's the part that I didn't want to get into. I just wanted to read him and weep. Do I, if you're weeping, it's some, it's some emotion attached to weeping. Well, I mean, to have him go on and do that and maybe, you know, uh, take them to the playoffs and, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm not rooting for Adam Gase to succeed. We know that. Ryan Tannehill, I have no ill will towards him, but does it like, do I look at it and say they made a mistake? You know, if Brian Flores was the head coach and had the guys around Tannehill playing the way that he's got guys playing around Fitzpatrick and, you know, like, Guys, when I say guys, I mean these are just guys. And he's got them winning two games in a row. Like, yeah, maybe if you had a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill and a more inventive head coach who came from a winning culture and, you know, could could everything be different? And, you know, I mean, I don't know. But uh, I listen, I said off with his head. I was I was ready. And I I don't like I don't second guess that at all. I want to get Joe Burrow or Tua Tagovailoa. I don't know if they're going to be able to, but I would like to get them. That's the one thing with Tannehill, there's no chance Tannehill's losing 15 games in a season. So if you wanted a young quarterback for the future, right. T- Tannehill was never going to let that happen. Right, correct. And so that's that's why even as, as successful as he, ha- he is in Tennessee, I'll never look back and be like, oh, what if? Because what if would have been guaranteed eight wins a season. Or, that's what he or is. would it have been 11 because Brian Flores has it? Like, that's the real question Given there. Given what we've seen, the right. progress, the improvement this right. team has made, and right. we're, we're chalking it up to Flores, right? right. Like, yeah. thus far and, we are. I, I don't think you can chalk it up to anyone else, right? Have they not traded away the entire roster or most of the best players yes. on the roster. Kenny Stills, Kiko Alonso, whatever. Like, Laramie Tonsil, everybody. Right. They probably would have been borderline playoff team. Well, I don't know. Yes. I don't know. Like, you know, and again, Stephen Ross made it clear he doesn't want to be borderline playoff team. The question is, would Brian Flores have taken them from borderline playoff team to playoff legitimate contender? And I, I'm not playing this game. Why'd you suck me into this game? <laughs> I don't want to play this game. Because Tannehill right now has t- he's 10 for 10 in the red zone in touchdowns. I think it's impressive. What if that was us? It is impressive. There's no question about it. What if that was it. us? Uh, we're going to be better, maybe. This is what Barry Jackson wrote about the Dolphins' quarterback search and where they stand, okay? He wrote this in the Miami Herald. The Arizona Cardinals in April made the unusual move of selecting a quarterback high in the draft after using a high pick on another quarterback, Josh Rose, in the previous draft. Dolphins must hope that type of scenario does not happen again because that could torpedo their grand plan emerging from April's draft with the long-term answer at the quarterback position. Sunday's win left the 2-7 and seven Dolphins fourth in the current draft order behind the 0-9 Bengals, the 1-8 Redskins, and the 2-8 and eight Giants. Miami owns the tiebreaker at the moment against the 2-7 and seven Jets, who are fifth in current draft slotting, and the 2-7 and seven Falcons, who are sixth. If Miami finishes with the same record as the Bengals and the Redskins. The Dolphins likely, but not definitely, likely would win a tiebreaker because their opponents would have a worse cumulative record than Cincinnati's and Washington's. So if they end with the same record as Cincinnati and Washington, that seems to right now bode well for the Dolphins because they will have lost to worse teams. A Dolphins-Jets tiebreaker and a Dolphins-Giants tiebreaker could go either way based on the remaining results 
results for all three of those teams' opponents. If the Dolphins draft behind only Cincinnati or Cincinnati and Atlanta, then Miami should be able to emerge with one of the top two quarterback prospects in the draft, either Tua Tonga-Valoa or LSU's Joe Burrow. The Falcons, whose pass rush has has been deficient before sacking Drew Brees six times on Sunday when we had bet on the Saints, of course, uh, have quarterback Matt Ryan under contract for the next four years and likely would look at drafting Ohio State defensive end Chase Young. So we kind of talked about that yesterday. I said I wasn't aware exactly how Atlanta's draft would work out, but it looks like they wouldn't take a quarterback. If the Dolphins pick behind only Cincinnati and the Giants, it's also likely Miami would be able to land one of the two quarterbacks because the Giants rookie first round pick Daniel Jones has 15 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and 88 uh, rating has shown promise. They probably wouldn't take a, a quarterback. But if the Dolphins pick behind the Bengals and the Redskins or the Bengals and potentially the Jets, there would be reason for anxiety if the Dolphins want Tangavaloa or Burrow. That's because the Redskins, similar to what the Cardinals did in April, could decide that the quarterback that the Bengals bypassed is superior to Dwayne Haskins. Uh, The Redskins will get a good look at Haskins the next two months because they named him starter for the remainder of the season. There's also the chance that whoever is running the Jets could decide to take Tua or Burrow and uh, may decide that one of those quarterbacks has a better long-term upside than Sam Darnold, who has been erratic. By the way, Sam Darnold's stats since he returned from mono, seven touchdowns, nine interceptions, and a 74.5 rating. Mm. Like, it ain't good. So what Barry Jackson writes in the Herald is, as long as the Dolphins stay in the top five and the Giants and Falcons are two of the other teams in the top five, they would have a very good chance of landing Justin Herbert, considered by some to be the third best QB in the class, or Burrow or Tonga if Herbert goes before one of those two in the actual yeah. draft. Barry Jackson writes, unless they win several more games, the Dolphins remain in good position to land one of the top three quarterbacks, but they're now long shots to have the first choice among those three, which I would agree with. I think Cincinnati would be the odds-on favorite right Mm now. Um, Among the six teams with two or fewer wins, the Dolphins might have the easiest remaining schedule, which further jeopardizes their draft standing. They play only two teams with a winning record, home Philadelphia and then at New England, uh, where the Patriots may end up resting starters, and the other games, home to Buffalo, at Cleveland, at the Jets, at the Giants, and home to the Bengals. Those are all considered winnable games. The Bengals are in the driver's seat for the top pick. They have three games against teams with winning records, Oakland, Pittsburgh, and New England. Plus, they've got the Jets, Cleveland twice, and the game here at Miami. So that is kind of the way things are breaking down right now. It's not as it's not as easy as it looked after the Baltimore game. That's all I can tell yeah. you. After that Baltimore game, I was certain there will be no team in the NFL that could be worse than this Dolphin squad. You said it yesterday on the show. The only mistake they may have made in the tanking season was hiring a quality head coach. Yeah, Cincinnati did it right. With Zach Taylor, no experience, didn't know what he was going to be. You bring him in, and yeah, he's a terrible coach. They bring in a Doesn't back- exactly come from a winning organization like Brian Flores. <laughs> no, and that's what they did. They did it well. The Dolphins, they fall out of the top five or six, like Barry's saying. Then, then you have to just start picking best available. Right. Now, if they stay in the top five, though, which seems to be a fairly decent possibility, then they will be able to get either Tua, Joe Burrow, 
or Justin Herbert? Now we're adding in Herbert. Well, I think we have to at this point. Yeah, now if we drop another, are we going to throw in from and listen, love? Listen, and, uh, listen, you get to the bar. It's 11 p.m. I got my eye on her and her. The dime. Get to 2 a.m. People are starting to file out. I got my eye on her, her, you know, her. That one's not so bad over there. But that one with the short legs. And that one with the cane. <laughs> cane can be sexy. Stylish cane, though. No. Got a little Yeah, I think you got to start putting Justin Herbert into the into the conversation. I really do. It's not. That's not where the plans are. We're I understand. The I understand. Now. I understand. There's no chance after that Baltimore game that you thought this would even be a conversation. No. That was the worst football team you had ever seen. And then it continued the second week, and it's gotten progressively better, and teams have gotten progressively worse. And so, yeah, I think you have to widen your scope now. I've got my eye on you. Had some fun tonight. About to get out of here, though. Let's do it again. Weeknights, 6 to 7. If you missed any of the show, get the podcast. Wherever you get your podcast for absolutely free, the radio.com app, or you can go to our website, wqam.com. And while you're playing around on the internet, give me a follow on Twitter, at Dan Day Radio. As I said, I'm making way, getting ready for that Florida Panthers-Boston Bruins game. Doug Plagans, Alex Dono, they're going to be laying it down for you, and hopefully the Panthers will lay the smack down. This is the Best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.